0: At the end of the last chapter, Sam and Lily were both up at two o'clock in the morning. Lily had set her alarm clock because she has an appointment with the tiger in the basement, and Sam was up because she was making a rope so she could leave in the middle of the night. We don't know where she's going, but... We have a suspicion that she's going to meet friends, just like her mother told everybody she used to do, or the Halomis, Halmoni said that. Sam and Lily agreed to be quiet about it and trust one another, and they made a pact. And now Lily's on her way to the basement. The tiger paces muscles rippling as she circles the trap that could not contain her. She seems bigger tonight. As she passes through the narrow stream of light from the window, her fur seems to glow like the moon is setting her stripes on fire. I suck in a breath when I see her, but I find I'm not so afraid anymore. Haven't you heard... She thunks down onto her hind legs, sitting, when I reach the bottom of the stairs. Never keep a tiger waiting. Sorry, I say, then mentally tisks myself. I shouldn't apologize to her. I need to regain some power. She makes a sound that is strangely close to one of Halmoni's tuts. Now, where are my rice cakes? Say, please... I try to sound confident and commanding, but she gives me a look as sharp as her teeth. Never mind, I mumble, holding out the plate. She swallows the cakes, whole, licking her lips and tilting her head. Weird, she says. Not how I'd make them, but acceptable. Story now. I exhale and do as she says, uncorking the star jar and spilling the sky. Long, long ago... When man roared like tiger, 10,000 days and 10,000 nights after a shapeshifter climbed into the sky and created the stars, a young girl lived with her halmoni in a little cottage by the sea. They lived alone, just the two of them, and they led a quiet life. Every evening the halmoni would try to tell the girl a story of their family, but the girl was afraid. The stories felt like darkness, the kind that hid under her bed and lurked beneath the stairs. No, Halmoni, she said. Tell me later. Sing to me instead. Sighing, the Halmoni would put the stories away and sing. Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises. While she sang, the granddaughter would brew a cup of night tea and stare up at the sky. Sometimes when the granddaughter looked at those stars, she felt like they'd been hung just for her, though she couldn't quite explain why. As the tea steeped, the girl longed for the stars and fiddled with her pendant, an heirloom left behind by a mother she never knew. One night, as the granddaughter poured the tea, the cup slipped from her hand. It cracked, spilling liquid amber across the table. Halmoni, I don't feel well. Come closer, Halmoni said. So the granddaughter came closer, leaning over the table, and Halmoni grabbed the girl's wrist. It was much hotter than usual, and though the girl's skin looked as it always did, it felt coarse, like matted fur. Ayah it's too late. I should have told you sooner the stories you need to know. The granddaughter twisted, trying to escape, and when she did, her black hair caught in the moonlight, which lit up a stripe of bright white. The girl was transforming before her harmonies' eyes, half human, half tiger. Dark magic. Her granddaughter was cursed, the same way her daughter had been cursed. Fight it, Halmoni said, but the girl could not. Still, she transformed. She felt trapped in her own skin. She needed to escape. Her tiger heart turned angry, a wild thing. She rolled her terrible eyes and gnashed her terrible teeth. The sea called to her tiger side, and she wanted so badly to taste freedom and salt on her tongue, to stare into an infinite horizon, to steal the stars, to swallow the world. Somewhere in her heart, the girl knew. This was her mother's magic. Her mother would understand the wilderness she had become. Hamoni didn't know what to do. She kept her granddaughter locked away, but nothing worked. So one night, the tiger girl ran away, tracking the scent of her mother's stories. She ran to the sea, and the sea parted just for her, and she crossed the ocean, crossed the world. The sea collapsed again before Harmoni could follow, and Harmoni's heart broke, partly because her granddaughter was gone, partly because she couldn't help her, but mostly because she worried— What if her granddaughter never knew how much her halmoni loved her? Yes, her heart was broken, but she wouldn't give up. She still loved the girl. She still wanted her to come home, tiger or not. So every full moon, she took a storage jar from her shelf and whispered her heart into it. She filled the jars with love, a new kind of magic. She didn't know where the girl had gone, but every full moon, she sent a jar into the sea, hoping the ocean would carry it off across the world. She sent one month after month, until she was out of jars. But still, somehow, she hadn't run out of hope. Hope is a funny, lasting thing. Hamoni believed that, somehow, her love would find her granddaughter, and her granddaughter would find the way home. When the story ends, I ask, so if the girl had that pendant, was she the tiger girl's daughter from the first story? The tiger stares out the small window. In the light, she looks far away and almost sad. But when she turns back to me, her eyes are fierce with shadows. Perhaps it seems that way. But if that's the case, she shouldn't have been cursed. The sky god said he would cure her. He lied. I feel betrayed. Stories are supposed to have happy endings, she sighs. Unfortunately, sky gods are not so reliable. Maybe he had a different idea of cured. Maybe he made a mistake. Or maybe he was not as powerful as he claimed to be. Maybe he couldn't control her heart. I stare at the tiger. But what happened to the granddaughter in the end? The tiger lowers her head. She left. Did she ever find her way home? When the big cat speaks, there's a sharpness in her words. This story is over. But the Hamoni could have tried harder, right? They could have figured out how to cure her tiger curse and make everything better. A growl rolls rolls through the tiger's body. Tiger blood is not the problem. Do you still think that? Of course I do. I think about Sam climbing out the window, and I wonder if one day I'll run too. I wonder if that wildness lives in me, and I think it might. I feel it sometimes, bubbling inside, and I'm mad at the story for seeing that. Tiger blood made her too wild, so she ran away from her almony, and then both of them were sad. What kind of story is that? It's a dangerous one. Her words pound between my ears. How is this story going to cure my almoni? A cure is not about what we want. It's about what we need. The same is true for stories. I have this strange feeling of fullness, like I'm going to burst. I'm going to explode. But all I say is, I need halmoni to get better. I can't read the tiger's expression. It's almost tender, almost angry, and something else too. I will see you tomorrow. And don't bother bringing those unfortunate rice cakes. She steps closer so I can feel her breath on my skin. Smell it like dried squid and the hint of grape jelly. Bring me the final star jar and don't be late. You are running out of time. Chapter 28 The living room is quiet except for the ticking grandfather clock. I tiptoe past Mom, careful to avoid the creaky floorboards. I carry the jar in one hand and the empty rice cakes plate in the other. When I reach the kitchen sink, I place the plate inside. Careful, careful, quiet. It clinks as I set it down and I hold my breath. But mom doesn't wake. I should go back upstairs as soon as I can. But I take a moment, holding the star jar up to the window. The jar feels different now, not as heavy, and it's like the glass collects moonlight, gathering it all and beaming it right into me. Lily? I nearly dropped the jar as I spin around to see mom, lying on the couch, rubbing sleep from her eyes. What are you doing up, she asks. I was just hungry, My hands shake, and I set the jar on the counter. I wait for her to ask me about the jar, to tell me how late it is, to explain the importance of a regular sleep schedule in times of emotional stress. But she yawns and stands. She slides her glasses on, cracks her back, walks right past the star jar, and throws the refrigerator door open. What do you want to eat? Mm, I say. Mom scans the food as she blinks herself awake and pulls out harmonious plastic tub of kimchi. Sound good, she asks, holding it up. I nod, not trusting myself to say anything. I glance over at the jar, but mom's too tired to notice. She pushes herself up, so she's sitting on the counter and motions for me to join her. I hesitate because this is not typical mom behavior, but I hop up next to her even though I'm partially waiting for her to scold me. Mom just unscrews the lid and fishes out a piece of kimchi with her fingers. Then she drops the piece right into her mouth and smacks her lips. When she holds the tub out to me, I stare at my mother. Any moment now, she'll wake up and realize she was sleepwalking and sleep eating and sleep rule-breaking. Mom laughs. Lily, stop looking at me like I have three heads. It's just... She pushes the kimchi tub closer. Eat. So I take a piece of kimchi and chew it, letting the spicy, sour, salty flavor settle my stomach. Maybe nothing is too weird in the middle of the night. Spirits might slip into those moments between waking and dreaming, but love does too. Mum wraps her arm around me, pulling me closer. I'm sorry, Lily, she whispers into my ear. I'd hold back the world if I could. I'd take away all your pain, but you've already faced such hard things. I'm sorry I couldn't protect you. I bite my cheek. Even though it's not fair, I want to ask, why couldn't you? But I think about the tiger girl, how she left her baby behind to protect her. I think about the halmoni who told her granddaughter to hide and fight. Those protections didn't work. In the end, they only made things worse. When mom looks at me, her eyebrows lift a little, like she's seen something surprising and something new. She's about to speak, but something catches her attention. Where'd you find that jar? My heart stutters. "Mm, Just in Halmoni's old stuff. Huh, it looks familiar. Mom frowns just slightly. I catch a hint of recognition on her face, but it foots away. Uh, I'm sure I just saw it around when I was a kid. She slides off the counter and screws the lid back onto the kimchi. Get some sleep, she tells me, voice soft. Things are always easier in the morning.